What we want to make clear from the very beginning is we're simply representing the teaching of Jesus Christ because we're following this absolute truth. So which team do you belong to? We belong to the truth team. I am trying to accept and follow the teachings of Lord Jesus Christ. Does that mean I belong to some particular church, etc.? No, it doesn't mean that. Jesus wasn't a Christian. He said, no, I'm the servant of my Father going about my Father's work. We're all servant of the Supreme Lord. There's where the harmony lies. And if you go away from that, then you're going to have division by default. Because, uh, I just took an online Christian quiz on the Bible. You did? I, I made, I got 40, 44 right out of 60. Oh. <laughs> And the comment was, was you, you know more than most people. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> And the ones that I missed basically were on the Old Testament. I, I is a lot of stuff. We didn't study much in the Old Testament, yeah. in the yeah. in the Christian in the in the church I was in. It yeah. was all basically New Testament. What's so? The Old Testament details I wasn't very good at. No, does the Old Testament contain stories as well, or is it just details? Yeah. I, yeah, I can't yeah. even. Uh, we also didn't study, so I don't really know what's. Yeah, it did. It does contain some stories. And some of them I knew, the prominent ones, but some I, I just, and I, it was all, many times it was like between two. I know it's either this one or this one, and I'd just this one, but it would be the other one. Oh. <laughs> I was close, but not close enough. <laughs> well, that's probably a higher score than I would have as well. Yeah. Not that, that well. Anyway, it was interesting. I might do it again if I... Because maybe it'd be different questions. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We'll read up on the stories. <laughs> so, um, I was just thinking, cause, so this will be, I'm not sure how we will present this, in, but it looks like we're going to, this is going to be a new season that, you know, whoever's listening is tuning into. And, and the, you know, the first, we said that we'll kind of gradually take people through the essence of the Christian teachings to help to, to understand that from a different light and from the light of the wisdom of meditation that you've, you've studied for many, many years and taught. And uh, first of all, it seems to me like a good place to start would be like, why, why are we even talking about this? Like how, who are we to talk about this <laughs> or what's, who, what is a Christian? And then what's, what's, what's this all about? So that's well, what I was that's that's a good lead-in question. What is a Christian? Yeah, right. Because I don't know the percent, but but quite a large percentage of the world population consider themselves Christians, especially in the West. Yeah. <clears throat> but is it a is it a kind of Christian? I'm a Christian because I was born in a Christian country. And therefore, by default, I'm a Christian. You know, like now I'm in, you know, a Muslim country. And everybody here says they're a Muslim because they were born in this country. You know, I was just uh, hearing about this girl. She was telling one of our friends here that, you know, she didn't want to... Uh, eat meat any longer. She wanted to stop eating meat. Yeah. And so her mother said, no, you, you're a Muslim. You must eat meat. Oh. You know, and, but she's, so, I mean, what does this term Christian mean? I'm a Christian. And uh, really it means I'm born in this country or my mom and dad were, or if I'm anything, that's what I am. 
but the next question, well, do you follow this uh, philosophy? And the answer is often no or not really or does it control your life? No, it doesn't do that. No, no. Like I told this once before, I think, on our podcast, that I was in Portugal, and Portugal's a, a, quote, Catholic country. Mm -hmm. And there's Catholic churches everywhere, I mean, a lot. You know, and I was there long enough to to see that, of course, but also to observe the population as they went about their daily lives. And I didn't see any reflection or very little of the teachings of, of the church on their daily, daily life's activities. Yeah. And I asked yes. one, one man, you know, uh, about this. I, I said, yes, you're Catholics, right? Yes. I see there's lots of churches. Yes, yes. We're all Catholics. You know, I said, but I, some of these things I observe are, are, you know, in keeping with the teaching. And he said, well, yeah, we're all Catholics, but it doesn't have anything to do with our life. <laughs> okay. That's exactly how he described it. So are are we talking about that kind of Christian, or are we talking about a person who follows the teachings of Jesus? Yeah. You know, not well I'm a I'm a Protestant Christian or I'm a Catholic Christian or I'm an Orthodox Christian, you know, or I'm a Jehovah's Witness Christian or I'm a yeah. Mormon Christian. You know, not that, see. But a real Christian, by definition, is one who follows the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. And that doesn't have anything to do with, with Orthodox or, or Catholic or Mormon or Protestant. And in Pro Protestantism, there's many, many different denominations, Methodist and Presbyterian and Baptist and Lutheran and... Episcopalian and many, many more. So what we define as a Christian is one who follows the teachings of Lord Jesus Christ. And that is exactly not different than in the Vedic teaching, the segment especially of the Vedic teaching who follows the instructions of Lord Krishna, and the great devotees, saints, and representatives of Lord Krishna. See? So it's nothing to do with this other concept, you know, of sectarianism and denominations and etc. Like in the Vedic system, there's different, quote, kinds of Vedic followers, but some are following one part, some are following another part. You know, some are following the part that they like, <laughs> and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So what we want to make clear from the very beginning is we're simply representing the teaching of Jesus Christ because we're following this absolute truth. He was teaching the absolute truth which all comes from the absolute original supreme person, God himself. So that's, that's what we are referring to. And then I guess someone would, would say, well, who, who are you to, to, to say that? Like, so which team do you belong to? <laughs> you know, if you say that there's or many teams, which, which team do you belong to? <laughs> we belong to the truth team. <laughs> so when people personally ask me, are you a Christian? I say, yes. Yeah. Meaning, and sometimes I explain, I am trying to accept and follow the teachings of Lord Jesus Christ. That's, in my understanding, what a Christian is. Does that mean I belong to some particular church, etc.? No. It doesn't mean that. No. Jesus didn't belong to a particular church either. You know, and that was one thing that was a problem. <laughs> he wasn't 
in the established church, which at that time was Judaism. Yeah, mm. yeah. So Jesus, another point I often try to make clear is Jesus wasn't a Christian. You know, Jesus, if you want to look at the, the you know, what, religion of the society, which is he was a Jew, you know, and they even said in one of their accusations against him, oh, we hear you consider yourself, or no, I think it was more like, oh, people say you're the king of the Jews, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> you see, he he didn't identify like that, and he never said that. You know, he said, "No, I'm the servant of my father, going about my father's work." Mm-hmm. So, in other words, we're trying to rise above this material, external concept of identity or designation, and the labels, and the. But why? I mean, why do we have labels, and and why is that a problem? Is that is it a problem to have all these labels and categories, and and why is it? Yes, it is a problem because it reflects a certain level of ignorance, lack of knowledge. It means we're under, you know, the influence of the illusory energy, and we're identifying with our material body, and so that's a problem. You know, Jesus taught, you know, there's many verses in the Bible, maybe at a, at a further podcaster, you know, you want to pull it into this one. The, you know, in the Bible, Jesus himself says, and his followers also say that we're not our material body. You know, we're the person inside the body. The body's the, the vehicle, you know, the temporary home. Uh, that kind of uh, true understanding, the tabernacle, you know, or <laughs> whatever, mortal shell. There's all kinds of different ways it's described that clearly indicates, you know, there's the body, which is material energy. It's external. It's, you know, temporary. And then there's the self, the true person in the body, the life force, the living being. And so it's just like if I'm driving a Toyota, that doesn't mean I'm Toyota, you know. If we've got five different humans driving five different brands of cars, Mm -hmm. one's a Toyota, one's a Nissan, one's a Ford, one's a Mercedes, and one's a BMW, there's not five different kinds of people here. You know, we're all humans in different vehicles. Right. You know? And then in any one of those categories of vehicle, there can be many different colors. It can be a black Mercedes, a white Mercedes, a red one, a blue one, a green one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But that doesn't change anything about the person driving the vehicle. So... We have to start understanding this point. Yeah, and I mean, in this time of conflict, that's just so important, more important than ever else, to see the similarity and see the... And that's, yeah, just to make that point. I mean, I, I think we can discuss this in further detail in the next podcast, and we're going to just gradually go on this journey and uh, I'll prepare some quotes from the Bible and some more. But what I wanted to stress is that we with our teachings and what we say here and our discussions we we don't want to make any more divisiveness you know our point isn't to say that you know you're wrong and we're right and and here you know criticize anyone but we want to rather uh you know help you or or inspire you in you know whatever faith you're following to to deepen that faith in god and in the absolute truth and yes to make harmony rather than division yeah you know, to see the sameness instead of the difference. Well, exactly, exactly, yeah, that's... And that that's, you know, not easy. Because, again, as long as we're in this bodily concept of life, we're going to see differences. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 
we, we're blind to harmony, to sameness, to oneness. So it's kind of like we even try to sometimes, you know, create differences where there are none. And we try, it seems like we try to see differences where they are. <laughs> you know, we, I don't know, something in our nature, I, I, I don't, I'm, you know, that just like has this spirit of, yeah. Well, in, in this, you know, illusioned consciousness, unfortunately, you know, we, we also, as part of that, have a team spirit. Yeah. I want to be on a team. And so, you know, again, according to, you know, where I was born, if I was born on the Christian team, then I, I kind of see myself as a member of that team. And that's reinforced. You're a Christian. You know, just like this lady told this her daughter, you're a Muslim. You know, mm. we're all Christians. We're all Muslims. We're all Hindus. We're all Buddhists. You know, and so it, it gets reinforced. And this, this strength in numbers. But as soon as you're on this team, then you look down at the other team. Just like a sport team. You know, you're on the the blue shirt team, and you want to be superior, feel superior, than the yellow shirt team. And you want to beat them. You want to prove that you're better than them. Yeah. That's what a whole athletic competition's about. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that's why they have different colored uniforms. You know, so you can easily identify who's on what team. You know. <laughs> And uh, so it, it brings division. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not a good thing. And then we do that because we want to prove that we're right or we want to, I don't know, is that correct? That we want to prove part to of ourselves? False, false ego, it builds me up. Yeah. I am this, you know. And it, so you can translate it into nationalism. You know, I am Norwegian, you know. And... I am Swedish. You got two countries right side by side. Basically, they're so similar. They, they don't speak the same language, but they can communicate with each other in the same language. <laughs> you know, but if you live, you were born and live on this side of the line, which is imaginary. You just walk across it, and you don't even know when you one side or the other. <laughs> then you actually have a certain attitude toward the other side of the line. That's, you know, we're all friends, we're good, but I'm Swedish. Mm. I, I'm not Norwegian, <laughs> or vice versa. Mm. And so it's just the way it is. As long as we see difference, there will not be true harmony. Whereas you, you have a different feeling toward, the, let's say you're from Sweden. You mm. are. Yeah. This body, at least, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about that now, of course. So there's no way you're going to feel Norwegian. You know, you're always going to feel like you're Swedish. Well, and the Norwegian's never going to feel like he's Swedish. Well, I'm trying. I just became a Norwegian citizen, so I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm talking about. Deep inside, yeah, you just stayed there long enough and yeah. filled out all the requirements no, to, it's true. to be allowed to have a Norwegian citizenship. That is true. If someone asks me, definitely, you know, and I will tell them, you know, where I'm from and the city that I was born in. And <laughs> Yeah, I'm Swedish. I was born in yeah. wherever and, you know. So some people have five different passports, but they still identify with one country, you know, yeah. probably, and usually it's a country they were born in and grow up in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's just, as they say, human nature. <laughs> human but nature. we're not humans. This is really, yeah. you know, taking it to a level that's really difficult. Exactly. We're not humans, <laughs> you know. No, okay. we're spirit souls. See, we're not even humans, mm. you know. And we have to start thinking on the absolute level. I'm a spirit soul, 
in a human body, born in America, born in North Carolina, born in a Christian, you know, society, raised as a, but et cetera, et cetera, you know. But I'm still not that. I'm still spirit soul. Mm-hmm. You know, one class that we had, one meditation class that we had, we had, I told you about the story. We had some Mormons that were coming in and, and, and they took, we spoke afterwards, very, very nice people. And they, and they told me that, you know, one saying that they had, which just reminds me of what you're saying. They, and they said this, they said that we're not, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience, but we're, we're spirit beings having a human experience or spiritual mm. beings having a human experience. And I was like, well, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Perfectly said. <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. You know. And so, you know, speaking of <clears throat> the idea of an absolute religion, in the Vedic system of explanation and terminology, there's a word for religion is known as dharma. That's that's the Vedic word for religion is dharma. But it's it's very different than the word religion in English, for instance. There's no English equivalent for dharma. So the religion that we speak about and think about in English terminology is not the same as the religion or the dharma in the Vedic terminology. And so the religion of, you know, the English idea is you know, what we just said, sectarian denominations and faiths and so on. But the Vedas being on an absolute platform define religion, dharma, and dharma means occupational duty. So, the and it's called sanatan dharma. Sanatan means eternal, dharma meaning occupational duty. So the eternal occupational duty of the soul is coming to know, love, and serve God. That, that's across the board for every living entity. So that's the eternal dharma or the eternal religion of the soul. Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with all of this temporary identity. See, just the two things we can we can try to present about the difference between an eternal religion and a temporary religion is in a temporary religion you can change it you can change it innumerable times at your discretion you can make a choice and there you are so all right say you were born in a Christian family, saying so you identified it as a Christian. Mm-hmm. But later on, you heard another teaching, or you were under an influence of another, you know, group of people. And so you decide, okay, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. I'm going to be a Buddhist. Now you have a new religion. I used to be a Christian, now I'm a Buddhist. I moved to Tibet, or I moved to Nepal, or I moved to, you know, one of the Asian Buddhist countries, you know, and now I'm a Buddhist. I lived in Thailand a long time. I really liked the weather, and, you know, I used to be a Christian, but now I'm a Buddhist. But then you move to India, (laughs) and now you're around that influence, and you read some Indian scriptures and so on meaning Hindu, see, the scriptures basically follow there. And so, oh, this makes more sense to me. I'm a Hindu, Hmm. see. So you're just changing it according to your whim, you know, or how you feel or what you see is superior or what feels more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the point is you can change this kind of religion. The Hindu today becomes the Buddhist tomorrow, becomes the Christian, you know, next week or whatever. 
Well, and then the point being that it's not something like you're not saying there's something wrong in it. I mean, it's just the reality of things. Like we can do that. Well, it, it's it's nothing wrong with it, but then again, it's it's a it's a lack of true understanding. Mm-hmm. See, we're still identifying with a temporary designation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, if you're understanding your eternal religion, you can't change that. The spirit soul is eternally the servant of the supreme soul. Whether we accept that, don't accept that, act in that capacity or not, you know, the atheist is still an eternal servant of the Lord. He denies that. He does everything he can to refute that, but it's still true. That's who he eternally is. And the whole concept of religion by true teachers is to bring one back to understanding, I'm the eternal servant of the supreme soul, and then start acting on that. So that's what, you know, the dear Lord Jesus Christ taught. You're the servant of the Lord. See, you're the servant of your father. Your father is the supreme Lord. Your father is in heaven. I'm the servant of the Supreme Father, your Supreme Father, the Supreme Father. There's only one. So that's all of our positions. We're all servant of the Supreme Lord. Mm-hmm. There's where the harmony lies. And if you go away from that, then you're going to have division by default. So, so is, it, is it correct to say that religions as we see them are uh, you know at, at at best practical institutions by which you know you can follow a certain path to discover your your real religion which is which is a loving service of god i mean i, I mean i guess at best and at worst they're tools by which we make conflict and we make wars and we you know use this to sow conflict in society well yeah and, you know and between us you know, if you're following a process that makes you come more and more aware of who you really are, mm-hmm. but not only you, see, but it has to include other people, who they really are too, see. Well, I'm really a Christian, and therefore I'm a servant of God, but all those non-Christians aren't. <laughs> well, that that's missing it completely. Yeah. You know, there was one of the popes, uh, recent popes, and he was known to try to bring harmony between religions, like kind of make it so there's, there's no conflict going on and, you know, not looking down at other religions and so on. So that was good, you know. He was actively trying to promote that harmony among spiritual seekers. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, one time he says, yes, the, you know, the Hindus are good, the Muslims are good, et cetera, et cetera. But unless you're a Catholic, you'll never make it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are okay, but, you know, if you really want to make it, you know, you really want to go home and, you know, be successful, then you got to be a Catholic. Well, you're the a, only ones who really make it home. Is it hypocrisy or, I mean? Well, I don't know. It's just how he still was hanging on to that. Yeah. See, we don't want to yeah, fight with each other, but yeah. we're the real guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so until you realize that and become one of us, then you're not going to make it. But, yeah. Is 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 that is that a symptom of the like the the fear and the the, the people of in charge of these churches that they don't trust that God will lead the individual soul to wherever he should be or what's well, yeah. that yeah. that's in, that's certainly included yeah yeah you know we have to convert you yeah we have to take care of it because. You know, we are in the position to convert you to us. Mm. Which is going against that teaching, you see. 
Jesus didn't try to convert anybody. He was just speaking the truth. And he was, he was not speaking to any one particular group. He was speaking to anybody who would listen. You know, and it just so happened at that time and place that the people who listened and were the most hungry for his message were poor people, you know. Mm. And they had never really been, you know, taken in as equal. You know, they're always lowly, downtrodden, you know. Socially, they were inferior. You know, financially, they were inferior. Education-wise, they were inferior. They weren't on that upper echelon of society. You know, so they just kind of been neglected or herded around or thrown a few bits and pieces, you know. But the real guys were, you know, the priest and the hierarchy and those in their, you know, level of society, uh, whatever. So when Jesus came, he didn't have a church. He didn't have a church. He didn't have anything. He didn't have a lot of money. He didn't have any prestige. You know, he wasn't riding around on, you know, great, wonderful horses or pulled by chariots or pulling, or riding in chariots. He was walking, and he just had some sandals and some simple clothes and, you know, no anything. No money, no house, no church, no. That's why he always, I don't know always, but... Often, you know, he was seen speaking outside, you know. People gathered out in nature somewhere, you yeah. know, or down by the sea. And, yeah. you know, no big tabernacles would fancy anything. And he just delivered the message. And so look at his message. It was just a simple message for everybody, you know. And that was another thing that, you know, irritated the authorities is because he was gathering more people and and showing that, you know, you don't need all this paraphernalia to prove to people that you're mm-hmm. authority. He was just speaking mm-hmm. the truth. What was his background? Where did he get his degree kind of thing? He didn't. Yeah, yeah. no <laughs> qualification. Like he didn't come from the system and been qualified to teach. He just taught. Right, right. He didn't go study for X number of years under some, you know, university or whatever they had in those days, and therefore he was qualified. In which case? He was qualified because of his connection with the source of the truth. Yeah. And he was just humbly trying to help the people know that truth. He didn't have an agenda to get a lot of followers. You know, he, he, that... A true teacher is not looking for a lot of followers, you know, just so they can say, look how many people I have. You know, he was just speaking to everybody to help them in their journey back home to relieve their true suffering. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, that's that's how we see Jesus and that's what inspires us to to speak about him. So others, you know, if they don't, you know, have this understanding, can see the clear picture. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't just save Christians. See, anybody who follows his teachings is a Christian, and by doing so, they're saved. Saved from what? Saved from illusion, saved from divisions, saved from misunderstanding, saved from allowing themselves to be owned and controlled by, you know, the forces of nature in whatever forms they take, the illusory energy, you know, so they can actually come back to harmony with the Lord. Find the joy, the happiness, protection thereof, and, you know, develop love for God and go back home. And be with him. And Mm. no other motivation than that. Mm. But, you know, just one point that I was thinking about could be 
you know important to make and interesting to, to make it's just that i could see how and i think maybe people could agree that you know okay so there's one god it's just different names and different religions but so you can see unity in this way but you know as i understand the christian point of view uh, like that you know someone who's traditionally christian would be perhaps a bit skeptical towards people who come from a yoga or meditation background because in most cases those people would would be of the belief the misunderstanding that somehow we are god or somehow we can become god or we can uncover our true nature as being as being everything and being god and so you know if you, so so then you know, are all spiritual paths the same, or, or or is it just that all spiritual paths that accept the existence of a supreme person are the same? And uh, how to how to see that? Like how to? Well, I can empathize with the Christians in the connection that you just said that they might think yoga will ultimately bring you to the realization I am God. Yeah. Because there are yoga paths who teach that straight up, yeah. not in a disguised way. You know, and there's big quote, yoga teachers, yoga masters, yogis, you know, from the home of yoga, India specifically, and then, of course, others, you know, not from India, from whatever the position they are in the world, have adopted that and are passing that on. Yeah. You know, promoting that idea that we are all God. You know, I'm spirit, God's spirit, therefore I'm God. We're all one, and et cetera, et cetera. And this would be, you know, diametrically opposed to the teachings of Jesus, which it is. And people, you know, hearing this could immediately say, well, no, no, this is bad. This is against teach the teachings of yeah. Jesus, yeah. you know, and therefore don't associate with yoga. Don't associate with this Vedic, exactly. you know, teaching. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And again, yes, that's, I agree with that too, <laughs> because they've eliminated God by, by doing so, They've actually become atheists. What is an atheist? The word ex it says, uh, explains itself. Atheist means no God. Theist means God. Atheist means no God. So an atheist is a person who does not accept a supreme individual personality of Godhead. So all these yoga paths that tell us we're all God or that there's no real personality, it's just energy, it's spiritual energy, above, above, above all individual forms and concepts and identities, the ultimate realization is, I'm none of that, I'm everything, and merge into this ocean of spirit, see, where there is no personalities, and we're all just Barks from the ocean of spiritual light, and when we reach full enlightenment, we merge back into that ocean, and individuality is extinguished. So a Christian hearing that teaching would obviously see conflict. Yeah. And so do I. <laughs> so do I. And so do you. Because yeah. we don't practice that aspect of yoga. We practice bhakti yoga, which is exactly the same philosophy that Jesus followed and taught. There is a supreme person. We're his children. He's the father. We're the children. Therefore, our common bond is in the same family. God's the father of all of us. We're all his children. And there's harmony there. Like in a household where there's a father that has, let's just say, 20 children. 
You know, I met a a person in Hawaii one time. He was Hawaiian, and he told me that he was from a family of twenty one children. What? Yeah, and he was number seventeen of the twenty one. Yeah, but all twenty one knew they were brothers and sisters and children of the father and the mother. So, you know, take that on an, on a scale of all of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, and one common father that makes us all in the same family. We're all related. And that's the teaching of Jesus. We're all brothers and sisters. And so often, you know, in Christian churches, I know this from personal experience, we called each other, the males called each other brothers, hey brother, you know. It later became a common saying amongst the hippies as well. <laughs> hey brother, hey sister, you know. Because it was the idea, we're all, you know, Jesus was the father and that understanding and above him, his father. But we were all related like that, in the same family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the, the real eternal scale, we're all children of the Supreme Father. Mm-hmm. And so why not act like that? Yeah. You know, why yeah. not? Be in harmony on that understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the family of 21, I'm sure there were certain members of the family that thought different than other members of the family. Mm-hmm. But they were still all family, you know. We, you know, what did Sly and the family stones say? We are family, my brothers and my sisters and me. <laughs> you know? I remember that song. Uh, we are family. Yeah. yeah, my brothers and my sisters and me. So you you just take that on, and it, it it's right. It's true. And no father likes to see his children fighting among themselves. No, exactly, exactly. You know? So when God looks down, and Jesus looks at us and sees all us fighting amongst ourselves, they're not happy with that. You know, that's not pleasing to them. He wants to all be in harmony, in love, serving God. You know, you serve God your way, I serve God my way. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Then that's better. That's perfect. That's pleasing. And... I just, you know, want to say to anyone listening, like we will gradually go through this and talk more about this, like that our natural function is serving God and, and we'll talk about, you know, that will that God actually exists, you know. That's one important part that we're gonna cover more and have more quotes on and and who he is and, and et cetera, et cetera. So there will be more information on this is kind of a brief. I think I hope it's bit of an overview and then you know what's what's coming up <laughs> and I yeah and how you know it's really important once we establish this idea of service to God then a question that comes up is well how to serve God yeah yeah exactly you know, how do I do what that? is service what is not service yeah. do I decide what is service you know am I guided in my service etc because service to any one means you're trying to please that person you're serving. You're, you're trying to make it so they accept that service, they're pleased with your service, mm. and the relationship is enhanced. It mm. becomes stronger, it becomes closer, and so on. Mm. So anyway, we're, we're going to be talking about that. Yeah, that looks good. <laughs> Put the sunglasses. sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of more things. I'm, I'm really looking forward to to cover all these topics. I just have to say, um, wow. 
and I'm hoping <laughs> people are as well out there listening. But so you know, we might have, and I'm kind of hoping that we have some people here who are, haven't you know tuned in to this podcast before, and so you know what we what we do have in the end of our each podcast is a is a form of meditation so maybe we could mention that and and explain that a little bit to people if we're going to maybe you know end with that today yeah sure uh meditation you know is a is a often heard word people throw it around you know all over the place yeah and they just usually you know mean what they think about or what they concentrate on. I'm meditating on, you know, whatever it is, you know. What what I like to do, what brings me happiness or even bad things. People, you know, meditate on, you know, something that caused them pain or suffering. I mean that's what I I'm meditating on the person who just, you know, hurt me. Mm. You know, or I'm meditating on you know, something dark or something light. It could be either way, you know. Usually it's one of those two that polarizes us. You know, the thing that's in the middle is come see, come saw. We don't usually meditate on that. You know, it's, it's not good, it's not bad, who cares, you know. It's the things that really, you know, make us happy or attracted to, we're attracted to it or it's the things that are on the other side that hurt us, that we don't like, that we hate. So it's just love-hate relationship that we meditate on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But according to the Vedas, again, because, you know, they really go into a lot of detail on everything, they describe two categories, concentration and meditation. Concentration means I'm focusing on something, you know, and it could be an incident, it could be a person, it could be a candle flame, it could be a sunrise, it, it could be, you know, a bird singing in the tree, whatever, you know. In other words, I'm concentrating on that. I'm, I'm bringing my focus to that. That's yeah. kind of this idea of mindfulness, too, which is so popular now, yeah. trying to achieve the ability to really concentrate on the now, or whatever. So that's concentration. And that concentration only evolves into meditation when God is the object of concentration. When I'm concentrating on God, that, according to this Vedic definition, now is meditation. So that's what we refer to when we talk about meditation. And so in our bhakti yoga process, the technique of meditation that we often employ is with sound, transcendental sound, spiritual sound. So the spiritual sound has spiritual power or spiritual potency. It's not material sound. It does not have a material origin. I mean, material sound can be beautiful. Yesterday we were hiking in the mountains and it's just showing symptoms of spring. Now, yesterday it was like a spring day. Oh. You know, and early morning it was still dark, but there was this bird singing so beautifully. And all winter you don't hear birds here. You know, they just, they just don't come out. <laughs> I don't know where they are. If they do, they don't sing, you know. Except for the crows, those guys sing all year <laughs> round. <laughs> but this bird was was just so sounded so happy and is singing so beautifully, you know. You know, so you could say, Oh, I was meditating on that bird singing, see. But it'd be concentrating on it. So that material sound can be beautiful, this is my point. Or it can be very ugly, like you know, a bomb exploding, you know, or a person screaming in pain. I mean, there's no happiness there for anybody. Mm. But anyway, material sound has power, but it's limited. It's, it's not spiritual power. It's limited to affecting us in a material way, mainly the, 
body and the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas spiritual sound, transcendental sound, has another source, the spiritual world. It's a spiritual sound from the spiritual world descending into this material world. And it has spiritual power, spiritual potency. Now, And so the sound that we meditate on is in our mantra chanting is one or more of the Lord's names. See, the names of God describe the qualities of God, the characteristics, the activities, the pastimes, etc. So he has many different names, you know, describing these different categories. Mm. And all of those names are spiritually potent because they're no different than God. So, therefore, if we come in contact with and focus on the names of God, then we will be purified by those names, and that will also be categorized as meditation. And this extends to the pure representatives of God, the lovers of God, Because of their connection, their pure connection with the Lord, then their name is pure also. So the name of Jesus Jesus. also has spiritual purity, spiritual potency. And so anyway, that's what we are doing at the end of our programs is chanting, you know, one, two or more of God's names and focusing on those names. That's what our meditation entails. Listen to that sound, put the mind on that sound, meditate on that sound. And that's fulfilling this definition of of true meditation. So we're concentrating on the names of God, which are non-different than God, which constitutes meditation. So, which is, you know, which is kind of like a prayer, you could say, right? It is, yeah, it's a prayer. I mean, oh, we could go on a whole other Yeah, we, <laughs> we better not take it into too many other categories or, you know. We'll have a whole maybe segment on that or part of a segment. Yeah. You know, where we can, you know, kind of present a, a fuller picture on the idea of prayer and meditation. And yeah, mm-hmm. so write that down somewhere. Yeah, exactly, that's what I was going to do. In other words, what is prayer? You know, we could kind of, you know, look at that question, what is prayer? Because <clears throat> Jesus was you know, himself, always in prayer, and he was encouraging others to pray. So the mantra that we'll, you know, meditate on now is the mantra Goranga Haribo. And let's do so.
So we will continue next time. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Ruben will find some very good 
quotes from the Bible and we'll compare them with some quotes from the Vedic scripture and, you know, see there's no difference here. It's the same thing, same message. Same absolute truth. Yeah. Same truth. Right. No contradiction. Look for the harmony, not the contradiction. That's true. That's true. Okay. And thank you all for listening in. And please follow us and send your comments and thoughts to us. Yeah. And we can, maybe we can bring it up in our upcoming episodes. So. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, Ruben, thank you. I have to run. Namaste. Yep. Haribo. Thank you, Akia. Namaste. <laughs>